Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all. My name is Devontae McLean. I'm a member here at Redeemer Odessa. I'm part of the Bertrand Community Group. <laughs> Amen. This morning, we're uh, going to be reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. If you have the Bible from here, it's on page 837. I'll give you a moment to find that because I love the sounds of Bible pages flipping in the morning. Started in verse 40. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. May God bless the hearing of his word, and may he, in his grace and love, grant us the ability to obey what he has said. Amen. It's a little parting gift I have for you, buddy. Hey, good morning. My name is Tanner House. I'm the lead pastor here at Redeemer Odessa. It is Good to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, as my friend Devante said, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. My buddy back there, Mason, will we'll get you one. Uh, Mason, there's one over here. Um, Levi, you can get your own. They're right there in front of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good to see you. Uh, I'm going to start with this. I have some things that I need to confess to you guys. There was a time in my life when I watched a lot of reality TV. And man, it feels good to get that off, the, off my chest. I was watching all kinds of stuff, and I was also allowing it to live rent-free on my DVR, which I definitely didn't need, definitely couldn't afford. But I was watching shows about storage unit auctions and shows about people who were driving around the hill country of Texas hunting feral hogs. Uh, competition-based shows like Survivor and The Amazing Race, dating shows, which I'm way too embarrassed to even tell you about, to say the names out loud. I don't know. I don't watch any of these shows anymore. But there was one show that a group of college students from UTPB uh, would come over to my house every Sunday night, and we'd watch this show together. This show was called Breaking Amish. Yeah, so Breaking Amish was the show that was like, these young adult, formerly Amish people decided they were tired of being Amish. And so instead of remaining under the uh, cloak of their Amish upbringing, they were going to break Amish. They were going to break away from the Amish faith, the Amish tradition, and they were going to try to make it in New York because as Frank Sinatra and Jay-Z both say, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. But these people, they would go and they'd try to find jobs and they would try to like find apartments, but they had no concept of money. They didn't know how to read or write. 
And they get to New York and they realize this is a lot harder than we thought. So they go back to their families, but they weren't accepted. In the Amish tradition, they call it a shunning. You are shunned. One guy's mother let him come over for dinner with the family, and then she was threatened with the shunning because she's uh, accepting her, her son back. It was really sad to watch because these kids had to figure out, again, some stuff on their own, like how to survive in the world that was foreign to everything they had formerly known. And we watched with delight as they made a real train wreck of everything. I don't think it's funny now, because they're people, but in my less sanctified days, it was certainly entertaining. Um, Looking back, that show for me has become kind of an interesting depiction of the futility of the bonds of religion. One thing the Amish did get right, though, in this show was their pursuit of personal holiness. And then one thing they completely whiffed on was, was extending grace to others. That's what religion can do. It can make a bunch of legalistic rule followers that get crushed under the weight of sin and shame. Listen, holiness is important. Holiness, meaning we serve a God who is so perfect, who is so praiseworthy, who is set apart, spotless, and sinless, and he asks us to be holy because he is holy. He says, be holy for I am holy. Be set apart because I am set apart. Holiness is important. This is the type of life that we should be pursuing if we claim to be in Christ. Because our lives... Our lifestyles, the things that we consume, the things that leave our mouths, ultimately reflect to what we believe to be true about God. So Christ calls us to be holy for that reason. Our holiness is a missional holiness, but it's impossible to be holy without the grace of Jesus. Because we're living in a broken and sinful world, we need grace. Grace is getting something that we don't deserve. We get Jesus in our place, and because of that, we have forgiveness of sins. But not only that, grace leads to our adoption as sons and daughters of God. But not only that, God himself is now living inside of all people who are true believers in him. Grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Everything due Jesus now belongs to the believer because of the cross. So before we spend a bunch of time kicking around the Amish, because that's not going to be my focus today, uh, the Amish are not the first group of people to take some of the commands by God and take them to extreme levels. In the Old Testament law, there are Places where God commanded separation for things uh, that were considered ceremonially unclean, that would make somebody unclean. In order for things to be restored back to cleanliness, God was like, hey, go out of the camp for a week, clean up, and then come back in, offer the sacrifices. But the religious leaders of the day, and certainly the religious leaders in the time of Jesus, took things further and further than God most likely intended for it to go. 
And we see this shunning culture develop. And it doesn't start with the Amish. It goes back several thousand years, and it's rooted in the abuse and misuse of the Jewish laws. The scribes and the Pharisees would use the law given by God, which is a good thing. God is giving us a way to have relationship with him before Christ comes on the scene. The Old Testament law was never meant to be cruel or restraining to the people of Israel, but it was designed for their good. And the religious leaders would twist it and use it to shame people and use it to oppress people. And honestly, sometimes the church does the same thing today. When we only offer people truth and we only offer people religion and we never get to the grace of the cross, there is no hope in that. But Jesus today is going to show us a different approach. So let's pray and then let's look at our text this morning. Lord Jesus, we need you. Lord, we need your grace and your goodness to us. Lord, show us areas where we're not trusting you. Show us areas of unbelief, Lord, and in your kindness, Lord, lead people to repentance and faith in the resurrected Savior. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Lord, may we see the cross and the resurrection as gifts to us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 40, it says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, make me clean. If you remember what we saw last week, we saw Jesus praying after a super busy day of ministry in Capernaum. And after a conversation with the disciples, Jesus moves on to the region of Galilee, where the text says he was preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Jesus comes out teaching and preaching, but what we saw two weeks ago is that word about Jesus is starting to make its way around the area. His reputation is preceding him. So he's going to go to Galilee, but people already know about who he is and what he's about. So this man with leprosy hears about Jesus, and he comes to Jesus. First and foremost, the fact that this guy is willing to approach anyone in his condition is super radical for the day. Leprosy was this vicious disease And it still is, but back then, without the medicine that we have available to us, it was far worse. It could eat away your skin, it could take off parts of your face, it could cause you to lose limbs or fingers or toes. It was brutal. And there wasn't any real indication as to what was causing it, and it was considered extremely contagious. So if you had leprosy which could be any type of skin disease, not just what we think about as leprosy today, they would expect you to take yourself outside the city, outside your town or your village, and live in isolation with other lepers, a leper's colony. It was essentially legal shunning because you were considered unclean according to the Old Testament law. And additionally, as people got near to you, if you were a leper, you'd have to shout out, unclean, unclean, so that the passerby would know to stay away from you. It is not safe. I am not safe for you to be around. I am unclean. And we see this guy, completely desperate, go to Jesus, dropping down on his knees before him and begging to be released from this disease. 
Look at how he asks, though. He doesn't just say, Jesus, can you help me? Jesus, can you heal me? Remember, Jesus' reputation is a guy that heals and has been circulating around for a little bit. And this guy knows if anybody can help me, it's got to be Jesus. He says, if you will, because I know you can, if you will make me clean. I think this is noteworthy. I'm not sure that any of you that would claim to be a Christian in here would doubt Jesus' power over leprosy or anything else for that matter. I do think some of you doubt his love for you. Tell me if, tell me if this is you. I know Jesus can, but in my heart, I doubt his willingness to help me. I'm coming back to Jesus with this thing again, and he's most likely growing tired of me because I've grown tired of me. Or I know Jesus says, come as you are, but surely he can't mean me with all the stuff I've done. He's probably ready for me to start feeling the weight of the consequences of my sin. Anybody else? But that's not the heart of Jesus. The leper is asking a question we all ask at one point or another whether we say it out loud or not. And look what Jesus does. Verse 41, it says, Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Jesus moves with pity, moved with compassion, abandons all acceptable social norms and cultural norms and religious expectations on him, and he touches the leper. And immediately the leper was cleansed. Notice the text does not say that he healed the leper. He cleansed the leper. This is amazing. Jesus is completely wiping this dude's slate clean. He's taking what is considered dirty and unlovable and completely changing the narrative around this man. Jesus bends to bless this man. This otherwise untouchable person Jesus touches. The, <clears throat> the leper is aware of his own state. He's desperate to be cleansed, and in humility and belief in the power of Jesus, he submits his request. Jesus, compassionate Jesus, does not shrink back from laying his hands on this guy, this loathsome leper. Don't lose sight of what is taking place here. One commentator says this, Wherever the compassionate Christ and the yearning sinner meet, there then comes instantaneous and complete cleansing. To the Jewish audience, this highly religious, highly pious Jewish audience, this is all the more staggering. What Jesus shows us by touching this leper is that he is willing to incur the leper's, the leper's defilement in order that the defiled leper may be made clean. This man is cursed by the law, and also the law would say that anyone who comes into contact with this leper is also themselves unclean. 
Man, just as a brief aside, uh, if you're reading the New Testament, there's a lot of kicking around of the law. The law itself is not a curse. But what it does is it shows us that if we do not keep it perfectly, then we too are cursed. The law, again, like I said earlier, was given to us by God so that we can have a right relationship with God if and only if we keep it perfectly. The law is good. But also what the law shows us is that we are not good. The law is holy. We are not. So here again is Jesus touching this leper. This is one of the most tangible pictures of the gospel that we see in all of the scriptures. Christ redeems us from the curse by becoming under a curse for our sake. Jesus and the leper have essentially traded places. The opposite of what normally happens is taking place. The unclean leper is now clean because he has been touched by Jesus. The leper can now return home to his family and his friends. Jesus, on the other hand, as we saw last week, is alone in a desolate place. This is the great substitution. It is why Jesus came. He will take on himself our sin, our sorrow, our shame, and in return, he gives us forgiveness, he gives us holiness, he gives us his righteousness. This is called the great exchange. Everything that was due us, Christ bore for us on the cross. And in exchange, we now have everything that was due him. That is at the core of the gospel. An old pastor that I like, William Hendrickson, he says, He is constantly taking the condition of the afflicted ones to heart. Living in the midst of a people who were placing all the emphasis on legal trivialities, which was especially true of the leaders. He, being Jesus, stands out as the one whose emphasis is on the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, fidelity. The sorrows of the people are his own sorrows. He dearly and intensely loves the burdened ones and is eager to help them. And he will ultimately help the helpless by dying on a cross in our place. And then the story continues. Verse 43, it says, And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he, being the leper, went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in a desolate place and people were coming to him from every quarter. Jesus heals this man, then Jesus tells him to not tell anyone. And instead... Uh, he tells him to go to the priest and sacrifice what the law told him to for his cleansing and for a proof to the priest. But this guy completely ignored Jesus' instructions. Here again we see another instance, what we talked about a few weeks ago, of the messianic secret. Jesus telling the healed person not to say anything about him. Too much publicity of Jesus as a miracle worker could have led to what commentators call a premature crisis. 
Jesus does not want to be known as a miracle worker. Remember, the reason he came out, as he told the disciples in our text last week, was to preach the word of God, to preach the message of faith in God and repentance of sins. It is, after all, the word of Jesus that, when applied to the hearts of people by the Holy Spirit, brings salvation. Jesus does not want to be taken by force and made a political savior, made king of the Jews. Jesus' primary focus now and throughout his ministry is anchored in the cross. Jesus came to die for people. So he tells this guy to go to Jerusalem, present yourself to the priest, and in doing so, the priest will receive an irrefutable testimony that this man had been a leper and he's now cleansed. And they will receive the testimony of Jesus' power and love yet again pointing people to the Messiah. However, our text does not indicate that this man ever made it to Jerusalem, that he never made it to where he was supposed to be going. Instead, he ignores the command from Jesus and goes back and broadcasts his new condition for the world to see. It's super easy for us to defend this dude's excitement. I had leprosy. Now I don't. I'm excited about it. Let me tell somebody. But Jesus gives this guy a command, and he completely ignores it, thus potentially compromising the effectiveness of Jesus' ministry in the region of Galilee. Again, Jesus and Mark are trying to make very plainly clear that Christ's primary ministry is not healing, but redemption. I want us to consider something today as we move towards our close together. Whether you are in Christ or not, you are the leper. Apart from the love and compassion of Jesus, you are separated from the Father. Spiritually, if you are not in Christ, you are significantly worse than this guy with leprosy. Unclean, alone, isolated, and you can do nothing about it. We need the loving embrace of a compassionate Jesus to reach out, to touch the otherwise untouchable, to touch the sin-sick person and say to us, Be clean. Man, if you're in Christ, you've been made clean, and that is wonderfully good news. But there is some real danger in becoming the the cleansed leper, too. Jesus gives this leper a command, and he completely disregards the words of Jesus. Now, I do want to offer this dude some grace. Because Jesus, being fully God, most likely knew that this guy was going to disregard his warning. Uh, And it was a stern warning, the text says. But here's some stuff to consider for yourselves personally. Let each one of you examine your own heart and mind here. Sometimes Jesus asks us to do some things or not do some things. And we completely ignore it. We can zoom out as far as you want to on this. 
Some of us live like Jesus has to forgive us. Like he is somehow, we are somehow entitled to his forgiveness. For some of us, personal holiness is so far from our minds and our actions. And because of this, our lives look nothing like what God is calling us to. We live in such a way that we are the most important people on the planet and we're entitled to grace. Man, but when you really understand the cross... When you understand what Jesus gave up and what he did so willingly for you, that ought to change everything. It ought to change the way we worship and it ought to change the way we live. When you understand just how sinful you are in comparison to how perfect and sinless Jesus is, man, you should want to submit your life to his lordship. If you don't desire the things of God, you may think you're a Christian, and you may not be. If your life looks nothing like what Christ is calling you to, you may have firmly planted your feet in sinking sand. Man, let that be a warning. I don't say that to condemn you. Hear me. Understand this. No amount of good works can save you. You cannot be good enough to earn your way into heaven. So before you feel condemned by anything I just said, understand this. That just like the leper, Jesus knew that you were not going to choose to follow him on your own. So just like the leper, there is a lot of grace for you. So you can cry out to the Lord, God, I want my desires for you to increase. God, I want my desires for my selfishness to decrease. God, please forgive me in areas where I failed you. Jesus doesn't want you to continue in your uncleanliness. He wants to cleanse your life. He wants to make you whole. He wants to restore you into right relationship with him. But we, like the leper, we have to humble ourselves and admit our need for him. Admitting your need and your desperation is not weakness. It's actually very Christ-like to be needy before the Father. Jesus prays to God, and we see it in the scriptures. Uh, when Jesus prays, God is more willing to grant our petitions than we are to send them out. It's what we see in the scriptures. God is more willing to answer our prayers than we are to pray. Man, so if you're not a Christian, the invitation for you is to believe that Jesus is willing to save you. Jesus knows your need better than you know your needs. And first and foremost, you need a Savior. And Christ lovingly and compassionately gave you himself. Man, if you're a Christian, the invitation for you is to repent and believe and follow Jesus with your whole life. Not being condemned in your sin and shame, but free to repent and love the Lord. God is not cold towards you. If he were, the cross event would have never occurred. Man, Christ in love endured the cross according to the will of the Father. 
There is so much love and grace for you. Man, but you have to humble yourself before the Lord and say, I need you. God, I believe. Help my unbelief. Would you pray with me? Lord, I feel that when... Lord, just forgive us for where we profess with our mouths one thing in our life and our actions and our hearts and our motives do not reflect things that honor you, Lord Jesus. Lord, may we be like the leper in one sense, willing to stop at nothing to get to you, Lord, to humble ourselves before you and say, Lord, we need you. Cleanse us from our unrighteousness. Lord, and may we be willing to follow what you call us to. Lord, we are so in need of your grace and your mercy. I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would be diligent this morning to show us areas where we're not believing you fully. Show us areas where our lives do not look like what you're calling us to. Lord, if we are in Christ, that you, in your kindness, would lead us to repentance, to confession, Lord, to grace and mercy. Lord, and I pray for those that aren't believers in here this morning, that you would be active in softening their hearts towards the cross and resurrection of Jesus. Lord, we are needy people. Show us our need for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.